Shalom, and welcome to the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations weekly Torah commentary series. I'm Rabbi Stuart Darman from Ahavatzion Messianic Synagogue in Los Angeles, California. This week, we're discussing Parashat Vayetze. Our text begins in Genesis chapter 31. Genesis is irreplaceable forming a sturdy foundation for all of scripture and all of life. Its portraits of family dysfunctionality provide a master course in ineffective and effective conflict resolution. Because the conflicts in Genesis find their counterparts in our lives, we do well to learn its lessons. This week's parasha focuses on Yaakov's conflicts with his uncle and father-in-law, Lavan, or Laban. Rabbi Lily Kaufman deftly sketches this messy family constellation. Quote, Poor Jacob is triply triangulated in Parashat Vayetze. His boss, Laban, is not only his uncle, his mother Rebecca's older brother, but also Jacob's father-in-law, Leah and Rachel's father. Leah and Rachel are bitter rivals, Leah resenting Jacob's love for Rachel, and Rachel wishing for children when God has blessed only Leah with fertility. Complicating this tangle of relationships is the fact that Jacob and Laban work together, and Laban is not a fair employer. End quote. Judging Lavan to be unfair is too generous. He is actually a manipulative, victimizing narcissist. He sells both his daughters into marriage to Yaakov for the exorbitant price of seven years' labor for each. And he foists one of those daughters on Yaakov by pulling a switch in the dark, passing Leah to Yaakov for a sexual union which will render them married. However, Yaakov thought he was getting his beloved Rachel as a bride. Thus, Lavan misused both daughters, plus his son-in-law. He also cheats his son-in-law every chance he gets. Amazingly, nowhere in Torah's account of 20 years of his dealings does Lavan admit wrongdoing. Instead, he unfailingly deflects all blame and responsibility onto others in the family. Yaakov and his wives would be quick to tell you, Lavan is no prize. Finally, after 20 years of abuse, including being cheated of fair wages by Lavan, Yaakov has had enough. God tells him, it's time to pick up and leave Padanaram to go home to Canaan. He departs with his children, his wives, his livestock, and whatever riches he had gathered. Meanwhile, Lavan is some distance away from home. It's sheep shearing season. Three days after Yaakov heads west, Lavan hears he is gone and takes after him. It takes him a week to catch up with Yaakov in the hill country of Gilad. 
What happens next provides us an excellent model for conflict resolution. The first step of the model is the presentation of grievances, which each man does in turn. Lavan speaks first, complaining that Yaakov took off in the middle of the night with all he owned and also his wives, daughters of Lavan, and his children, Lavan's grandchildren. Lavan presents himself as betrayed and innocent. Next, it is Yaakov's turn. He recounts all the trouble he has endured, 20 years of it, point by point. He summarizes it all. Quote, These 20 years I've been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Avraham, the one whom Yitzchak fears, had not been on my side, by now you would certainly have already sent me away with nothing. God has seen how distressed I've been and how hard I've worked. Genesis 31, 41 to 42. Lavan denies all guilt, again identifying himself as the wronged party who did nothing wrong. This brings us to our second step. In such a conflict, it is important that neither side be shamed, even if they are offering a self-serving and even patently false version of the events. They should be allowed to protect their dignity and image. There is nothing to be gained and much to be lost by exacting a pound of flesh at such times. Lavan has to betray himself as guiltless and wronged. It is psychologically impossible for him to do otherwise. Do you know anyone like that? I think we all do. Then comes the third step. The litigants must choose to look away from the present and the past toward a desirable future. Lavan suggests he and Yaakov assemble a standing stone, to which Yaakov adds more stones. Lavan says, quote, May this pile be a witness, and may the standing stone be a witness, that I will not pass beyond this pile to you, and you will not pass beyond this pile and this standing stone to me, to cause harm. May the God of Abraham and also the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. End quote. But Yaakov swore by the one his father Yitzchak feared. Yaakov offered a sacrifice on the mountain and invited his kinsmen to the meal. They ate the food and spent the whole night on the mountain. That's Genesis 31, 52 to 54. The stone marker and the meal eaten, together seal a covenant between these men to work toward a better future. In her drosh on this parasha, Rabbi Kaufman points to a further step in peacemaking. We will all agree her observation matches our experience. This step recognizes how 
Sometimes there are toxic people from whom we should separate ourselves. This is what Levan and Yaakov do. They make their covenant, but they also agree to remain separated. Rabbi Kaufman puts it this way, quote, It may surprise some readers of the Bible that family separation is employed as the problem-solving strategy in the Jacob Laban story. In fact, it is a common technique of dispute resolution in early chapters of the Bible. In Lech Lecha, Genesis 13, 1-13, Avram separates from Lot, his nephew and sole heir, and after their dispute over grazing land, but their real clash was over conflicting values. At stake was the future of their family's spiritual commitments. To worship God, as Avram wished, or to incline toward Sodom in Egypt, as Lot did. In Vayetze, as in Lech Lecha, the biblical hero is much better off putting distance between himself and a toxic family member who does not share his values. End quote. Sometimes we must take such measures if we wish to truly preserve peace and our own sanity. Shabbat Shalom. This is Rabbi Stuart Dowerman signing off and wishing you Shabbat Shalom. For more commentaries like this one, visit umjc.org slash commentaries.